for your presence, Lord. And we ask you, my God, that you would open our understanding this morning. Oh, to the book of Leviticus, my God. That you would show us, Lord, what you would want us to see, Lord. That you would show us every time, my God. That you would speak to our heart, Lord, that we may understand, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're going to do, my God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Pastor Fiat. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship Him a little bit. Lord, we worship You right now. God, we praise You right now. Lord, we lift up our voices, God. We lift up our hands right now, God. We wave them before You. We exalt You, Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Dear God, let us worship you the way that you are worthy to be worshipped. Let us praise you the way that you're worthy to be praised, God. Let us magnify your name together right now, Lord God, with our hearts, with our soul, with our mind, with our bodies right now. Lord, we love you today. We love you today. We appreciate you today. Put your hands together, clap them unto the Lord, and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Lord, we love you today. We worship you today. Oh, we thank you today. Thank you, Jesus. My, 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 man, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. Good to have our guests with us today. Amen. And everybody that's here right now, you ready to worship God? Did you come to worship the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I tell you, it's wonderful to know God and have His presence and appreciate all the testimonies today about what God is doing in your life. Amen. All right, you can go to your classes if you'd like to this morning. And uh, we want to just let the adults, uh, of course, stay in here. And if you haven't met somebody that uh, you see here today, please do that sometime today before you leave. Amen. Praise God. I got an announcement today. Uh, we have a five o'clock uh, Bible class that's going to start up. We're going to have like five different teachers, and they're going to be teaching on different subjects, okay? And tonight's for the first uh, subject is going to be on spiritual warfare, and Brother Obed is going to be teaching that. So we're excited about what God is going to be doing in these classes because there's going to be about five people that are going to be teaching them. It's going to be awesome. Amen? So remember, <clears throat> five o'clock, this is going to be happening. And if you've just recently been baptized in the name of the Lord, it like say within the last couple of years, please be to these classes because they will bless you. You will learn so much about your walk with God at 5 o'clock, all right? Between 5 and 6 o'clock. Everybody say 5 o'clock. How many people we have here that's just recently been baptized before the Holy Ghost in the last couple of years? In the last two years or so. Okay, and if you haven't been through the class, you need to be through the class. I tell you, it's going to be awesome. It'll really help you. All right, the rest of you, if you turn with me to the book of Leviticus this morning. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I trust that uh, you won't have a problem seeing me. I'm kind of short, but we have to move down here because uh, I can't get to my machine. Amen. Always dealing with that kind of stuff, you know. Book of Leviticus in the Word of the Lord today. Praise God. Aren't you glad you're in the house of God today? Amen. 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 
We're going to be dealing with this book. We're going to learn from Leviticus. We're going to learn a lot from Leviticus. And I'm very excited about the book. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. Let's look at verse 1. It says, And the Lord called unto Moses, and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd, and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Now flip over to Leviticus chapter 6, beginning with verse 8. The Bible says this is the law concerning the offering. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning on in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar. He shall put them beside the altar. He shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. The fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. He shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Help me pray if you could. Lord Jesus, we come before your throne right now. We worship you. We magnify you. We ask you, God, this morning that you'll speak to our hearts, God, that you'll minister to us. You'll help us to understand the awesome vocation wherewith we are called, God, that we may walk with you, God, in all holiness and all fear and all love for you, God, for you're a great and awesome God. And we love you this morning, Jesus. We ask, God, for your anointing upon us. We ask you to inspire us to speak your word today, for we can do nothing without you. But we trust you and are confident, God, that you will help us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> the book of Leviticus is a continuation of the book of Exodus. Can everybody see that okay? Okay, praise the Lord. Uh, it's a continuation of the book of Exodus. If you look in the first verse. The Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him. Notice the word and there. The word and there always is looking back to something else. It is joining something that was before. So with the book of uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they all go together, they all flow together as one book, okay? And so this word and is connecting Leviticus with the book of Exodus. Now remember what happened in the book of Exodus, they had just got through uh, receiving the commands from the Lord on how to build a tabernacle. This was going to be the place where they approached God and they worshiped the Lord. And now we're going to come and look in Leviticus and we're going to see the offerings that they brought before God and that they sacrificed to the Lord and what they, they meant. 
This particular book, the book of Leviticus, you notice the word Leviticus. Levi uh, is in that word there. This is the handbook of the Levites. It is the way they were supposed to worship God. It's the way that, that they were supposed to offer the sacrifices to the Lord. And, of course, in the, the Levites, that was a large family. And they had different groups within that family. But there was one particular uh, group in that family of Levites, and they were, uh, it was the family of Aaron. And all the descendants or all the people that were in the priesthood came from the family of Aaron. You could not be a priest if you weren't a descendant from Aaron within the tribe of Levi, okay? So that the priests came from Aaron, but the Levites, the rest of the Levites outside of the family of Aaron in particular, also ministered at the tabernacle, but they didn't offer incense and, and whatnot. They just kind of helped break the tabernacle down and move it from place to place. So keep it in mind, it was only the descendants of Aaron that were actually the priests, but this is a book concerning the, Levi the Levites. They were going to do the various ministry in the tabernacle worship service, okay? This book, Leviticus, is a book of holiness. You're going to read as you read through the book. How many of y'all read the first seven chapters? Good for you. I'm not even going to look up. As you read, if you read, you will see that the word holy is used over and over and over and over. And the first portion of the book of Leviticus is the holy offerings. Say the holy offerings. Now, the reason why I ask you to read these chapters is because it's going to help you. Because I'm going to move very quickly, all right? But it's a book of holiness. It is full of holiness. It has to do with holy offerings, holy lifestyle, holy conversation, holy talk, or holy walk. Everything you can think of. Holiness in the business, holiness in the home. Holiness, 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 holiness. Everybody say holiness. And this book is going to show us that we are to worship God in the beauty of holiness. Say the beauty of holiness. When you start talking about holiness, you, a lot of people get a negative thought about holiness. But holiness is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's the way that you approach God and worship Him. So you worship Him in the beauty of holiness. But the problem is that you and I are not holy in and of ourselves. God is holy. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. But the problem is I wasn't born holy. I was born a sinner. So how can I approach a holy God if I'm not holy? Well, God made a way that I might approach Him, and that's through these holy offerings and holy sacrifices. They enabled the person in the Old Testament to come in the presence of the holy God and worship Him in the beauty of holiness. So God provided the holiness, you obtained the holiness, and then you maintained the holiness. Do you understand that? See, God made a way that I might approach Him, but when I approach Him uh, through His sacrifices, then uh, once I am redeemed by blood, once I am saved, then I must maintain my walk with Him and my fellowship with Him. So that when you look at the offerings in the Old Testament, you have two kinds. You have sweet savor offerings, and you have non-sweet savor offerings. The non-sweet savor offerings are the offerings that you offer to be in fellowship with God. The sweet uh, savor offerings are offerings that you would bring to God in fellowship. Not to get fellowship, 
but because you are in fellowship, you would bring those particular offerings. So two kinds of offerings. Sweet savor in fellowship. Non-sweet savor to obtain fellowship. Are you with me? So that when we look at Leviticus chapter 1, the Bible tells us that they were going to bring these offerings before the Lord. Now, keeping in mind that God is their king, that he is on the throne, and they're going to approach him, and they're going to worship him. They are in a the theocratic government. That means that God is their king. And when you come in the presence of a king, you want to bring something with you. You want to offer something to God. In fact, the Bible says that the people were never to come into the presence of God empty-handed. Never. Because they were approaching the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when you approach Him, man, don't come empty-handed. Bring an offering to Him of some kind. And because they're in this theocratic government, God's going to make a way that they can approach this awesome, holy God. And then once they approach Him, He's going to give them offerings that they can bring to Him in thanksgiving and worship and adoration because He's worthy. How many of y'all believe God is worthy of everything? And because He's made a way and He's provided a way for us to approach Him, then we want to come to Him. We want to give Him something. We want to give offerings to Him. We want to worship Him with our lives. But not only that, because we're in a theocracy, or they were in a theocracy at that particular time, God was the one that was in charge. So that what He said, His commandments were a part of the covenant. You with me? See, His commandments, or the way they were supposed to live, was because He had made a way for them to approach Him. Because He had made a way for them to be saved. Because He had made a way for their sins to be covered. Then God says, bring offerings of praise to Me because you're My people, number one. And then walk in holiness before Me because you are a special people and I want to reveal Myself through your life. That's what holiness is all about. Once you get redeemed, once you get saved, God makes you holy. That means I've been set apart for the glory of God. And because I've been set apart and I'm redeemed by the blood and I am saved this morning, I want to live the way He wants me to live so that God can be seen by everybody that is around me. I am revealing God to a world without Him by my separated lifestyle. Are you here today? It has absolutely nothing to do with legalism and bondage. It is because you are a child of God that you want to dress like He wants you to dress. He wants you to know, look like He wants you to look. Uh, live like He wants you to live. has nothing to do with trying to earn your way to heaven or make your way to heaven by your own good works. You are trying to show a world about a God who is awesome, a God who is holy, a God who is righteous, a God who is great, a God who is provided a way that I might be saved a God who has provided a new life for me he is my king therefore I want everybody to know about him and when they look at my life they can see what do they see they see the outward first 
They don't see the inward, they see the outward. And my outward, what I do with my outward is revealing God to everybody out there in this world. That there's a different people. There's a separated people. They're not like everybody out there. Come on, church. We need to get a concept and an understanding of holiness. That we're not like people out in the world without God. We've got God. He's our Savior. He has redeemed us by His blood. Now He's given us a new life and a new walk and a new talk and all that wonderful stuff. And we're revealing God everywhere we go. And people are saying, there's something different about that people. I can tell there's something that has changed in their lives. And that's what this book is all about. It's talking about God, how we can approach a holy God, being unholy. But he makes us holy. And then we begin to worship him. Aren't you grateful for that? Now look up here very quickly just to show you how many of you like pictures. I thought everybody liked pictures, so I got you some pictures. Amen? This is the tabernacle proper, outer enclosure, uh, right there. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not preaching on the tabernacle, but just to show you what's happening. The outer enclosure right here, you see that piece of furniture just in front of the gate? That's the brass altar. Then in front of that, the brass laver. Then the tabernacle proper, the holy place, and the holy of holies with its pieces of furniture on the inside of it. Now notice... As you have all around this tabernacle, you have all these different tents and different tribes, people coming up to the tabernacle to worship. Why would they go to a tent to worship? Because God's Spirit was there. It was over that tabernacle. So when they went to the tabernacle, they were approaching the presence of the Lord, okay? So you see all these people congregating around. Notice that the tabernacle is in the center. It's not on the outside of the camp somewhere. It's the center. That's where God needs to be. He don't need to be number two. He don't need to be number three. He needs to be number one. Number one. He should be the center of my life. Not somewhere out there, you know. Well, all right. Say, so keep going, preacher. Now we come to the, we look at the tabernacle itself. Wonderful, beautiful tabernacle that God... Uh, gave them the plans for and every bit of it represents something in the kingdom of God. Now you see them with uh, Shekinah glory cloud over the tabernacle there. You see that altar right there. It's got fire burning on it. Leviticus chapter 6 says the Bible says the fire will never go out. It is to never go out. The only time it ever went out was when they were journeying and they had to move it. But once they set it up, said God said never let the fire go out. It's to burn morning and night for 24 hours a day. So that you had a sacrifice, it was called the burnt sacrifice, and it was offered for you by the priest once in the morning at six o'clock in the morning and once at, in the evening at six o'clock so that that burnt sacrifice was continually burning before God, okay? That one was offered for you, but not all of them were offered for you. But all sacrifice, every sacrifice that was placed on that altar was put on top of that burning, burnt sacrifice. So that there was nothing offered to God that wasn't offered first by, uh, with a bloody sacrifice underneath it. Okay? So they approached the Lord. You can see them bringing their animals there, the offerers. Aren't you glad you didn't have to bring an animal this morning? Amen. It'd be pretty tough. be rough. You know, all God asks us to bring is just worship and praise. And, our, and, and of our substance and things like that and our lifestyle. That's all, he all, that's all he says. I mean, a lot of us have a hard time doing that. But anyway, here they are bringing these sacrifices. 
before the, the tent uh, and before the gate there, of course, all these beautiful colors represent the Lord Jesus Christ, purple royalty, scarlet sacrifice, uh, blue, he's God, and then the white, his, his holiness and his righteousness all represented Jesus Christ right there, what he was to us. But the, it's a gate. It lets you in to the presence of the Lord. Then this is one of the posts there that go around the outer enclosure. This right here, you can see them bringing these animals. You see animals in the uh, outer enclosure right there. You see the priests working over here. One of them, and I'll show you a close-up picture. Uh, one of them are offering a sacrifice right here, bringing this sheep, and, and on and on it goes, okay? Again, another picture, primarily the same thing. This is the altar of sacrifice right here where they place the uh, offerings. Of course, that's the grate that's in this altar here. And all the ashes of these animals fell through the grate, and they collected them and took them to certain places. Okay? And, of course, it's got four horns denoting strength, salvation, security, and power. Now, you come up here again. This, you see over here to the corner right hand, you see uh, a priest. No, no, that's not a priest. The priest is helping this man. It must be some... A type of offering, maybe a peace offering that he's offering before the Lord. This man is cutting that animal's head off. Now keep this in mind. Not all sacrifice was offered by the priest or killed by the priest. Some of the sacrifices were slain by the people themselves and cut up by the people themselves, okay? So you see that happening over here. Again, a, a close-up picture right there. They're fixing to catch the blood of the animal flowing in that basin right there. Now, of course, the blood represents the soul of the person, and whenever the blood shed, they're offering their soul to God. Okay, Leviticus 17:11. We'll read that again. A picture of the altar of sacrifice with the great, uh, the brass and the wood that went into it, the acacia wood. And here's some of the tools that was used to gather the ashes and all the various things that were being offered up to God, the forks to help them place the sacrifice on the, on the altar itself and the basins to catch it, okay? Praise the Lord. All right, again, there's a picture of the tabernacle. Okay, so y'all understand basically that these people were to bring sacrifices unto God. Every time they approached Him, they brought something to worship Him with. And that's what we're going to be studying. The first thing we're going to study is the uh, sweet savor offerings, which were the offerings while, uh, while they were in fellowship with God, not to get fellowship. Okay? Praise the Lord. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful structure that God had for them. Really on the outside of the tabernacle, it didn't look real pretty, but okay. Let me just turn this up. Okay, Leviticus chapter 1. Y'all ready to learn about the sacrifices? Okay, look at it with me. Leviticus chapter 1. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if I'm not a holy person, uh, as far as my salvation is concerned, that I have to be pardoned and I have to be accepted by a sacrifice, then why would God list the uh, sweet savor offerings first? the ones that you offer to God in fellowship, not to get fellowship. It is because God, when He gave this book to them, it was already uh, an accepted fact that they had already been redeemed by blood. Okay? So that the sacrifices we have right here are 
while they're in relationship with God, while they are in, while they are in fellowship with God, the first ones. And then when we get to chapter 4 and chapter 5, we'll see the non-sweet savor offerings, which was if you got out of fellowship and if you sinned against God after you had been redeemed, then you bring another sin offering or a trespass offering and it gets you back in fellowship with God. Okay? So first of all, let's look with, if we could, Leviticus 1. The Bible says this, verse 1 again, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. First of all, let me explain to you what, what these represent. The cattle, the ox, it, a burnt sacrifice that we're going to study in Leviticus 1 here, it, it had to be a male. Could not be a female, it had to be a male. It didn't matter what it was. It could be an ox, it could be a sheep, it could be a goat, it could be a turtle dove, it could be a pigeon. But in the burnt sacrifice, it always had to be a male. So first of all, let's look at the different animals here. The ox represents Jesus Christ in his strength, in his endurance, and in his service. See, this is all a picture of Jesus Christ. How many of y'all know that he was strong? And he was a man, wasn't he? He was a man, which shows you his, his strength and manliness, all right? The Bible says that he endured all the way even to the death of the cross. He was a man of service. He was the servant of God as a man. So the ox, again, is a picture of strength, endurance, service, and sacrifice and God said when you're going to earn uh, bring a burnt offering now didn't I say that the priest offered some for you yes early in the morning at six o'clock they'd offer the sacrifice it would start burning then then at six o'clock another one would be offered for you by the priest and it would burn all night long until the six o'clock offering in the morning and I've always wondered, you know, why sometimes do we, we focus on 6 o'clock prayer meetings? Well, it's because they offered these offerings to God at 6 in the morning. Okay? Sometimes God will have you get up early in the morning and pray. And these, these, this burnt sacrifice was something that was burning all the time that was done for you. But if you wanted to show your devotion to God and your commitment to God, then you could bring also a burnt sacrifice so that this sacrifice didn't get you in a relationship with God. You were already in a relationship with God, but you were showing how much you loved Him and how much you were committed to Him and how devoted you were to Him by bringing an offering to Him and you're saying, God, I love you. I'm committed to you. I'm dedicated to you. And I want to show it to you by bringing you a burnt sacrifice. All right? Now, the scripture tells us that it had, had to be one of those particular animals, and they could bring it before the altar. And the Bible says the first one would be an ox. The ox, what does an ox do? It pulls you. It pulls you. It pulls uh, plows and whatnot. Of course, they could not have plows on them if they were offered to God. You couldn't yoke them up. But they pulled, uh, if they were going to work and serve, they normally put an, uh, a deal, a yoke around them, and they pulled uh, the plow. Amen? So that when you look at this, it's a picture of Jesus Christ as the ox. He's going to pull you out of your sin. Thank God. 
And because this is not to get you in a relationship with God, but because you are in a relationship with God, then it is, what is it talking about then? Do you know that everything that Jesus did on the cross was not to get you in a relationship with God? Everything that he did wasn't just to get your sins covered. Jesus Christ fulfilled every one of these sacrifices. And this one has to do with commitment. It has to do with devotion. And so Jesus Christ was totally committed to the Father. Amen? He was totally devoted to the will of the Father. So in his devotion and his commitment, he was the burnt sacrifice. Now, why would they need a burnt sacrifice? Because you and I have never been totally, absolutely committed to God. Not one of us in this place have ever been totally devoted to God. Only God, only Jesus has been 100 absolutely, totally committed and devoted to the Father so that when He died on the cross, He was the burnt sacrifice. So it is atoning in the sense that you and I have never been totally committed to the Lord. Okay? So in the sense it takes care of our lack of devotion to the Lord. So it's redemptive in that way. But its primarily, primary focus is not to get me in relationship with God. I'm already there. It's to, to say, okay, God, here's my commitment. Here's my devotion. Here's my love. Come on, somebody. See, Christianity today thinks, well, you know, we can go to church and we can say and act like we love the Lord and absolutely do nothing for Him. Don't serve Him. Don't worship Him. Don't give nothing. Don't sacrifice nothing. You know, it's all gimme, 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 Jesus. That's... that's don't, that's to me I'm going to tell you what I'd like to call it. it's called hogwash no 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 you're going to see when we get through this book right here God is a holy God and man when you worship him you want to give him sacrificially to him you want to serve him sacrificially you want to live the way he wants you to live forget about this charismatic stuff that's out there come on somebody are you with me today? God is a holy God. And you don't just come any old slipshod way in the presence of God and just mess around with God. God you're going to see it. And I want you to know that when I studied this book, it did something on the inside of me. It caused my commitment and my devotion and my service to God to heighten, not lessen. Because I saw what these people did in the Old Testament. And it's all a picture and a type of that which is to come in us. And Jesus Christ is my burnt sacrifice. He was totally committed and devoted to the Father. Therefore, He died in my place because I have not been that way. But now that I'm in a relationship with Him, I can at times come and offer a burnt sacrifice to Him, showing Him, God, this is how much I love you. And if I bring a burnt sacrifice and it's an ox, it's recognizing He got me out of my dilemma and my lack of devotion to Him. And notice it's verse 3, it's voluntary. He shall, this particular offering is voluntary. He shall offer it of His own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, verse 3. So that, hey, you know what this is? This is gratitude. How many of y'all got an attitude of gratitude for the Lord? How are you going to show that? How are you going to show your attitude of gratitude? By bringing sacrifice to Him. Amen? How many sometimes you know it's going to cost you to worship? Because you don't feel like worshiping. How many of you know it's going to cost you something to live for God financially? How many of you know it's going to cost you your life to live for the Lord? How many of y'all know that? Uh, yeah, and it's, this is going to challenge us. It's going to challenge every one of you. God, how many of you believe God wants a faithful people? Now, so he brought it voluntarily before the Lord, this particular burnt sacrifice, because he said, I love you, I'm committed, I'm devoted to you, all right? Then the Bible tells us right here, 
in verse 4. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. So it also is atoning because, as I said, not totally committed and totally devoted. is atoning in, in that sense, but it's also in fellowship. Say, in fellowship. Because they were in fellowship. He's not trying to get in fellowship in this offering. He's in fellowship, but it's atoning in the sense that only Jesus Christ is totally committed. In verse 5, And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord. That means the guy that's bringing the burnt offering is going to kill it before the Lord. The priest is not doing this one. The person's doing it. So you bring your animal, the best of the herd, not the diseased and the sick one. I mean the best one you got out there. No blemish, no yoke has ever been placed on them. I mean the prime rib, honey. Okay? And you bring it before God and you say, Oh God, this is my prime rib right here. And that is hard to do, man. Tie that rope around that animal. And bring it before the Lord, you know? And then once you get it there, you're going to have to pow, kill the thing. Whew. That'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? But see, they love God so much, they were willing to offer the best. Are you here? Do you love the Lord today? Will you offer Him the best? Or will you offer Him the least? They all had to offer Him the best. The Bible says this. So he would kill it. In verse 5, he shall kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round upon the altar that is by the congregation of the tabernacle of congregation. So the Bible says once this animal is slain, then the priest would take the blood and they would do the various rituals with the blood. Why blood? Because everything that you and I do has no relevance to it without blood. Jesus' life, listen to me, can do nothing for me if His blood is not shed. You know, you, and as I said before, it's wonderful to hear about the healing power of God. Amen? Everybody wants to hear about God will heal you. And you know, they want to they talk about His wonderful teachings and His wonderful life. And He was wonderful in all those things. Wonderful in His birth and wonderful in His ascension and wonderful in His resurrection. Wonderful in all these things. But without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, none of those things would help you. Got to have the blood. Somebody say the blood. Say it was a bloody place. It was a slaughterhouse. It smelled bad. Are you here? <laughs> say blood. Leviticus 17, 11. Turn there and I'll show you what it means. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement. That means a covering. Because these sacrifices could not take away your sin. They could only cover them. Jesus Christ had to come and take away the sin of the world. So atonement means to cover the sin. Push him ahead, okay? Now the Bible says, it's given uh, to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So that when the blood was shed, somehow, I don't know how, but somehow the blood is connected with our souls. So that when my blood is shed out of my body 
then I die. My soul leaves this body. I don't know how it works. I don't know how the blood and the soul are, are, are work together, but it's a fact. And so that when you are shedding blood, you first of all had, had to lay your hands on the sacrifice. And you had to lean heavy upon the sacrifice. So when you come to the Lord, you have to lay your hands upon Him. You have to lean heavy upon Him in trust and devotion and commitment. All right? And then once you've done that, you're saying that this animal is going to take the place of my soul. So that when I offer this animal, because I place my hands on that animal, it's going to take my place. And when the blood of that animal is shed, the soul of that animal is taking my, the place of my soul before God. Okay? So they had to take and share these... Uh, kill these animals so the blood could be shed because of the life of flesh is in the blood and it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Okay, are you with me? Do you understand that? And the wages of sin is what? It is death. You live it, you stay in your sin, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. If you stay in your sin, you don't get redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, guess what's going to happen to you? The fire that Jesus took for you, you're going to have to suffer the fire. So they would take these animals and put them on the fire. It's either the victim taking the fire or you take the fire. I'd rather have the victim take my place in the fire. And Jesus took my place hanging on the cross and the fiery wrath of God fell on him. So I don't have to experience the fire of the wrath of God in the future. What an awesome gospel message. What an awesome uh, teaching the Bible has for us in this book of Leviticus. It is a picture of the grace of God. Now listen, God gave them these offerings. They were gifts from the Lord. Do you understand that? That He made a way that they might approach a holy God, being unholy. But He's the one that gave them the ability to bring the offerings to Him. So it was a gift from God. So that the justice of God demands punishment upon sin. God's holiness, He cannot look upon sin in favor. It must be punished. That's the justice of God. But the love of God said, I'll give them a gift so that they can approach me and in their place have a substitute. I am righteous, I am holy, therefore sin must be punished, but I'm also a God of love, so I'm going to supply a gift to them that they can be saved. Aren't you thankful for God's goodness? It was all a gift. And when I think about God, I don't want to think about God as, an, as a mean, angry God. He loves people. He died for people. But his punishment and wrath will come on sin if you don't get the sin under the blood and let the victim take the fire, then you're going to take the fire. Wow. Are y'all going to help me teach? Just say amen, praise the Lord every once in a while, jump up and shout and run if you want to. I know I'm teaching you this morning, that's okay, but you can still worship the Lord. Do you see what's happening here? These animals are substitutes to take their place which is all pointing to Jesus Christ totally. Now, if you keep reading, the Bible says in verse 6, He shall flay the burnt offerings and cut it into pieces. So this offer is going to cut this animal all to pieces. He's going to flay these animals. What, what is this all a picture of? It is a picture of Jesus Christ. Number one, the, the uh, flaying of the animal was His cruel beatings. How many know that Jesus was beaten? 
I mean, they beat him. When you looked at him, you couldn't even tell that it was a man. That's how bad he was beaten. Okay? Nobody has ever suffered like Jesus Christ. Nobody. I don't care what you've endured, what kind of pain, what kind of beatings you've, been, uh, you've gone through in your life. You have never suffered like him. Jesus was beaten to the point of you could not recognize him. And he did it all for you. And you look at the cruelty that is taking place in these sacrifices here. The flaying of the animals and the chopping them to, into pieces. Jesus went through all of those cruel beatings and the chopping and the cutting and the bleeding from his side and the bleeding from his hands and the bleeding from his feet and all of these things. These are, are pictures of what happened to Jesus. And he did it for me and he did it for you because he loves you. And he gave a gift, and it was himself. And what made these sacrifices uh, legitimate, I mean, can, a, can an animal take the place of a human being? Then what could possibly make these sacrifices legitimate? It was because Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all of them. And, they, and God knew that his son was going to come and die and take the place or be the fulfillment of all these sacrifices so that even in the Old Testament before Jesus came and did that God could accept the people based on these sacrifices of animals so it was the lesser for the greater but when Jesus Christ came it was the greater for the lesser what an awesome gift of God's grace and God's mercy that I can walk into His presence and be saved and then be in fellowship and then say, God, this is how much I love you. So the beatings and the, the bleedings and all of these things are pictured here in this sacrifice. And in verse 8, the priest, Aaron's son shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order upon the wood that is on the fire. Say, on the fire. You say putting on the wood is going to be burning, okay? It's, that's the fire. The wood represents the fire. So we see the scripture. But his inwards, verse 9, his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water. All right? And the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, of, say it with me, of a sweet savor unto the Lord. A sweet savor unto the Lord. So he's going to wash the inwards, and the Bible says, and his legs. So what do you see there? You see the inward purity of Jesus. The water represents the purity. You see the inward purity and the outward purity of his walk and commitment and devotion to God. He was perfect in his walk as a man. How many of y'all know he was God? He was God. But as a man, he was totally, absolutely perfect inwardly and outwardly so you have the purity of the water the washing of the insides and then the washing of the legs and the Bible says they were to take this and they were gonna put it on the fire and the fire again represents the wrath and judgment of God okay and it was gonna consume this animal the scripture says it'd be burned up it's a sweet savor so it's a picture of devotion so God Jesus was totally committed to the Father devoted to the Father and it's it's um, for us it's a picture of we are not totally devoted and committed to Him, so therefore we had to have a sacrifice in its place, okay? But it's also a picture of us, what happens when we get in fellowship with Him. We, we live, our lives are a, a picture of our devotion and commitment and love for Him. It's a sweet savor offering, so that you, as a child of God, will have sweet savor offerings unto the Lord. Not to get saved, but because you are saved. Okay? Now, if you get in trouble... If you fall in sin as a child of God, then you go to the sin offering and you go to the trespass offering and you get it put under the blood. 
But this is what you'd bring if you're in fellowship with God. And they might say, well, I don't need to do anything because I'm a child of God. I mean, I'm redeemed by the blood. No, God has given us three sweet savor offerings to show you what you do when you're saved. So the Bible says in verse 10, now underline sweet savor because that's where the division is going to be. We're going to do our very best to cover three of them. Now, amen. That means I might put some of you to sleep. Some of you are going to learn. The Bible says this in verse 10, and if his offering be of the flock, so yeah, burnt sacrifice could be a, a sheep or a goat. It could be an offering of the flock, not just the herd. So again, a picture of Jesus as a lamb. Why as a lamb? As the lamb of God, he doesn't just pull me out of sin like the ox, but as the lamb of God, he taketh away my sin. John said, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away my sin. So the lamb, here's a picture of the, your sin being taken away. That's why they could bring also one of the flock. And they could bring a goat because the goat represents the sinner. And Jesus became sin for us. Okay. Now just keep, just follow with me there. Bible says, and he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward. Why? Because the throne of God in the Bible is always seen in the north. Okay. So they offered in the direction of the throne of God. Are you with me? Amen. The Bible says this right here. Uh, and the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. Now why this sheep? And why this little, little, um, precious, uh, innocent lamb? Why would you want to bring that and kill that thing? Because it's a picture of the wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Lamb-like in his nature. Innocent in his nature. But not only that, but his unresisting unresisting abandonment to the will of God there was no resistance in him to the will of God he went even to the point of dying on a cross to fulfill the will of God he said if, if not my will but your will be done God if that means death on a cross I'll die before I'll get out of your will father and that's the way you and I have to be as Christians you have to be you have to say I'm willing to die before I'll get out of your will father and that's the kind of commitment and devotion that Jesus had. But he's a perfect lamb of God. Woo, come on, somebody. I really pray that this helps us rise up to another level in God and another level of commitment and devotion to the point. See, Jesus is a fulfillment of all these things. But this is the people bringing them, and this is what I can bring. And my lacking, my shortcoming of total devotion, he's taking care of that. But it doesn't exempt me from trying to get there. Are you here? Does it give me an excuse to live, you know, any old way I want to? Because he has taken care of my lack thereof, I'm going to try to make sure and get to that point. He was unresisting as a lamb and as a goat. Now, again, burnt offering could also be a turtle dove or a pigeon. Uh, verse 14. If the burnt sacrifice... For his offering to the Lord be of fowls, that he shall bring his offering of the turtle doves or of the young pigeons. All right, but again, they have to be male. They have to be rich. So he came from the heaven down to the earth to bring a sacrifice for us. Amen? And, and what do you think about when you think about a dove, a wonderful dove, a precious dove, or a, or a pigeon? 
They are so innocent. And that's the way the Lord was. Innocent, perfect, but yet coming from heaven for you and for me. And dying and experiencing these terrible, terrible things. Look at what happens to him. The bride, the bride said, the priest shall bring it unto the altar and wring off his head. He's going to, you know, pop his head off its neck. I mean, it's, it's no head on the shoulders anymore. Psh, that's a picture of Jesus Christ. Man, that's what he went through for you and me. All right? Cruel, huh? Innocent little bird. Cruelty. But that's what he had to pay in order to be our Savior. Now, the Bible says also, uh, he'll wring off the head, burn it on the altar, and the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. He shall pluck away his crop with his feathers. Now, there's some birds that got crops. And what a crop is, it's a filter. And it filters contaminated food. So that when there's certain clean birds that you could eat, they had a crop. And when they would eat, all that rejected food, all that poison and everything would go into that crop. So the priest would take the bird, he'd take the crop, he'd pull the head off, take the crop out of the bird and sling it out, sling it away. Why? Because it's a picture of Jesus Christ. All right? He had no rejected food in him. He was sinless. And not only was he sinless, but he did the will of the Father completely. He never rejected anything that God told him to do. Somebody say amen. Uh, he didn't have rejected food in him, so get rid of the rejected food. Somebody say amen. And again, it's a picture of us. As we, if we were bringing the sacrifice, he completely fulfilled it. But that means that I should be willing to live my life without rejected food. I should say yes to the will of God, even if it means death. Even if it... Whoa, come on, somebody. Mm. You know why people are not happy today in the kingdom of God, in the church? is because they have rejected food. They are walking around, and God has told them to do something, and they have rejected His will. And they are miserable people, and they're wondering, why, why am I so miserable? You've rejected the will of God in your life. You know who happy people are? It's people that walk in the will of God and obey God, and even and sacrifice if they have to. Woo, come on, somebody. You know, don't look at it and say, well, he did it all for me. No, this is a type of your fellowship with him, what you bring to him in fellowship. Not to get fellowship, but in fellowship. We shouldn't have uh, rejected food in our spirits. We should say, yes, yes, yes. Come on, man. And the Holy Ghost will come on you when you're out of the will of God and you'll start feeling terrible and conviction comes on you. You know why? Because you're supposed to not have rejection in you. You're not supposed to have rejected food in you. You're supposed to get rid of the poison. You're supposed to get rid of the crop. You can't say no to God. Peter said no to God one time. He said, not so, Lord. Oh, amen. The Lord said, don't call uncommon what I've made holy acceptable are you with me so you can't say no to God that's right if God calls you to do something you can't say no to God he's the Lord you're not calling the shots I'm not calling the shots he's the Lord he's God he's the king he's the one that says and if I say no I'm walking around with reje rejected food in my crop amen Amen. And also feathers. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't off the bird with feathers on it. 
They had to pluck every one of them. I mean, how would you like to have your feathers plucked out of your body? I mean, that wouldn't feel too good, would it? Jesus had his. They pulled his hair off his body, plucked him. He didn't have any outward glory when he was walking the earth, but he's in glory now. But when he walked this earth, they took all outward glory. They took his garments off of him, left him for naked, hanging on a cross, plucked his beard and everything else. Why did he do it? Because of you. But the same pain, the same suffering that that bird would go through as they plucked the feathers. And I don't know how much birds feel. But anyway, the point is, it was cruel. That's what he went through for us. How can we say no to him? How can we say no to him? How can we reject him? And I know we're all growing in the Lord. Amen? We all are. I know that. And thank God for that. But I'm trying to help you understand how awesome it is to approach a holy God and to live for Him and to live holy before Him. Amen? The Bible says, They cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. He shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder, and the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a, say it with me, of a sweet savor unto the Lord in fellowship, not to get fellowship. Hallelujah. I'm excited. I don't know, I don't know about how excited y'all are, but I, let me just tell you, I knew before I started teaching this, this is some deep stuff. It's really the ABCs of the Bible. But for most of it, it's this deep stuff. So you're going to you know, you're gonna have to shake yourself every once in a while. Leviticus 2. The Bible says this. Now we're going to talk about another sweet savor offering. This is called the meal offering or the cereal offering. In your Bible, you'll read a word meat. But it's the only meatless offering in the whole thing. It's a meal offering. It's a cereal offering. Yes, it's going to be offered with a bloody sacrifice. All sacrifice must be because it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to uh, enable you to bring anything before Him. But it's a cereal offering. All right? So where it says right there, look at verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. And when any will offer a meat offering, cereal offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour. Say fine flour. He should pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. Amen? Now, the meat offering, you could literally translate the word meat into a present. So that when you bring this offering, if you were living back then, and you brought this offering to the tabernacle to offer it to the Lord, this cereal offering, what you're saying is, God, I got a present for you. I love you so much, God, I'm going to show you how much I love you by giving you a present. Somebody say, in fellowship. Amen? Now, he says this right here. He said it's going to be fine flour. And verse uh, 14 tells you it's going to be a, a corn, a green, a full ear of corn. No lacking. Say, no lacking. Every little corn is going to be on there. It's going to be a corn of wheat. Okay? They're going to cook that thing, and then they're going to beat it. And they're going to beat it to the point that it turns into flour. But not just flour, fine flour. No lumps in it. Amen? It's a picture of Jesus Christ in His sinlessness, but in His perfect commitment and perfect devotion again to the Father. Do you see these sweet savor offerings? And it tells them that once they take this fine flour, 
They are to put honey upon it. You know, you got to get it all together. You got to cook it. And we'll get into that in a little bit and show you how they did it. But you got to cook it. Then you got to pour oil upon it and also frankincense upon it. Why? Because the oil is a type of what in the Bible? Type of the Holy Ghost. If this is a type of Jesus Christ, he's the perfect son of God. That means he was anointed. His flesh was anointed with the spirit of God. Are you with me? But the Bible also says that the oil was mingled in the cereal offering. So he, he wasn't just anointed by the spirit. The spirit was in him. See, these sacrifices are perfect in their detail. You know, I, can, I get anointed and God's spirit is living in me. But not like God, not like Jesus. Jesus had all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him. All deity was in him. I'm not God, but I have God, the nature of God in me. But he was more than just having the nature of God in him. He was deity. He was the spirit embodied. So that this sacrifice here is showing you in his humanity he was perfect, but he was more than just a human. He was anointed by the spirit and lived and indwelt by the spirit of God. Now, by the way, I have scripture for everything I'm telling you, but I don't have time to give it all to you, all the scriptures. But if you want them, I got them. And every, every type and every shadow I'm showing you right now, I have scripture to back it up. This is just not coming off the top of my head. Are you here? But I got a lot of teaching to do, and I don't have time to sit here and, and, and you know, have a kindergarten class. I need, some, I need some people in the graduate level. Are you here? Somebody say Amen. So he's anointed, and then the Bible says a frankincense is going to be placed upon it. Why? Because his life was fragrant before God. As a man, his life was just like, it went up before the Lord continually. Oh, wonderful fragrance. Now look, look. The Bible says this in verse 2. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and he shall take thereout his handful of flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. So that when they cooked these cakes, and that frankincense was placed upon it, and that frankincense sent the fragrance up to heaven, then what that person was saying was this. There goes my life to God. They could literally see their life go up before God. So that when I come before Him and I'm worshiping Him, there goes my life to God. When I give sacrificially to Him, there goes my life to God. My blood, my sweat, my tears, my efforts, uh, that's my life. And I send it up before God because I love Him. Are you with me today? Oh, man, that's why. Listen. Whatever we do for the Lord, we need to start looking at it as an offering of our lives. As something holy. As something awesome. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us it's most holy unto the Lord. In verse 4, it's to be made with unleavened cakes. No leaven was in this cereal offering. Just the fine flour with the oil in it and upon it and the frankincense upon it once it's complete. But it also says no leaven in it. Because leaven is corruption and leaven is sin. And Jesus had no sin in him. He was incorruptible. The Bible says also salt was to be placed in it in verse, uh, let's see, 13. It tells you salt was to be placed in that offering. Why do you put salt in there? How many of you ladies know what salt does? Well, flavor, yeah. Seasons, what else? Preserves. It preserves. 
Okay? So you put the salt in there because it's going to preserve. It's, it's going to uh, hold back corruption. So that when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, He's the perfect Son of God, anointed by the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit of God. His life was a continual fragrance going up before the throne of the Spirit of God. Amen. As a man. But he had salt also, which means he was incorruptible. You can kill him. You can put it, take him, put his body in a sepulcher. And the Bible says his body saw no corruption. It did not decay. It was resurrected by the power of God. So it, it, it holds back the corruption. And that's what, of course, Jesus fulfilled that. But also salt is a type of covenant. It is a type of covenant so that by Him and by His sacrifice, we can enter into an agreement with God. A covenant is an agreement between two parties so that now I can have a relationship with God Himself. And it's because it has salt, it's preserving and it holds back corruption. Therefore, by the incorruptible Lamb of God who died for me, I can enter into an everlasting covenant and He is my covenant. There is no corruption in the covenant. There's nothing wrong with the covenant. There's nothing wrong with Jesus. He don't have the problem. Come on, He came to straighten the problem out. He came to bring a covenant that you and I could enter into that's an everlasting covenant. It's enduring. It, it doesn't corrupt. Isaiah says, He is our covenant. Ooh, my. Aren't you glad you know Him today? Now, the Scripture tells us a few other things. Now, if you go... <clears throat> so, let me just share this with you. We have the ox, Him pulling us out of sin. We have the Lamb of God taking away our sin. We have the pigeons and the birds showing us that He's the perfect one came down from heaven for us. But now we have the bread. He's the bread of life. He sustains us. He satisfies us. Are you, you're looking at a satisfied person here. There's nothing in this world that will satisfy you. Drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and wild women and wild men, they will not satisfy your life. Only God will satisfy your soul. He's the bread of life. If you don't have God, you don't have anything. But if you've got God, you've got everything that you need. He's the only one that will satisfy your soul. The anointing of God on you and the Spirit of the Lord in you is the only thing that will make you happy. See, He died that we might have this. But again, we're bringing it as a sweet savor, something that we, we show our appreciation unto God. Notice also the Bible says, no honey. Verse 13, In every oblation of thy meat, Offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant to prove that it's of covenant, okay? Now it says also there, no honey. What verse? 11. For you shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. None of them are going to have honey in them. And the reason why honey is a natural sweetener, and it's probably one of the sweetest things that you can find in all the world. I don't know anything that's more sweeter than honey. How many of y'all like honey? How many of y'all found something that's sweeter than honey? Yeah, have you? What is it, brother? Huh? Fried ice cream? Oh, yeah, but that's strange stuff, man. <laughs> Who wants hot ice cream? <laughs> Michael, brother Michael. Yeah. Sounds good. Does it to you? Have a... Have a talk with me after church, sister. 
I mean, I know people used to really get excited about stuff like that. You know, fried ice cream. I said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I like mine real cold. Well, maybe, maybe other than fried ice cream, honey, is the ne next sweetest thing, Brother Michael. But he said, don't put any honey in it because honey is a natural sweetener. And I want to tell you something. I don't care how nice a person you are. And I don't care how good you are naturally. You cannot approach God. You cannot be saved by your own natural sweetness and your own natural niceness and your own natural goodness. you got to get God or you're lost. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how sweet you are. I don't care how wonderful you talk and how nice you are. With God, you're a, without God, you're a hell-bound sinner. Somebody say amen. I know a lot of wonderful people, nice people, good people, some people out in the world that are nicer than the people in the church. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Shouldn't be that way, but it is. But your natural niceness is not going to get you there, man. You're going to come way short of the glory of God and say, well, God, that's pretty nice, you know. I didn't do what my neighbor did. Yeah. It won't hold water. That's why God says no honey in it. Because Jesus Christ didn't have his sweetness and his goodness didn't come natural from the flesh. It came from the spirit. Are you here? What is acceptable to God is supernatural stuff. Are you with me? Now let me help you. Some of y'all look at y'all know so many good people, so nice, so many nice people, and so many religious people. But you need to go to them and say, hey, I don't care how nice you are or how religious you are. You've got to get born again of the water and the Spirit. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you need to start living for Him. And if you're nice and sweet now, just think what you're going to be like when God gets in your life. Amen? So do y'all see this cereal offering then that, that you bring unto the, to the Father, unto the, that they would bring to the Lord? It's all fulfilling Jesus Christ, but again, it's the people doing it. So they did this before God. Okay, amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Say it was a present. It was a present. Now, <clears throat> chapter 3. I'm going to move on. <clears throat> Some of those offerings, of course, were given to the priest. The Bible says in verse 1, And if his oblation be a sacrifice. This is a peace offering. Say peace offering. Okay, we talked about the burnt sacrifice, the cereal offering. Now we're going to talk about the peace offering. We're going to explain to you what this is. <clears throat> How many of y'all know he's your peace? He is my peace. You're looking for peace. You can't find peace without the Prince of Peace. I'm telling you the truth. You get the Prince of Peace in your life, you'll have peace. Amen. If his, and if his oblation be a sacrifice, a peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, or he shall offer it uh, without blemish before the Lord. Now look at this. This is a peace offering. From the person to God. You know what it is? It's a praise offering. It's a praise offering. Keep that in mind, right? It tells us right here, it's going to be male or female. So that when you and I approach God, I don't care if you're a man or a woman or whatever you are. You're on equal ground when you approach God to fellowship with Him. Some of the ladies say amen. Some of the ladies say praise the Lord. Yeah, thank you, because the men aren't. All the men say, praise the Lord. 
When you approach God to fellowship with Him, you get peace in your heart, and it, it's to men and to women, and you're all on equal ground when you're worshiping. As far as your worship goes, as far as your fellowship goes, you're on equal ground. That's why I said it could be male or female here instead of just male. Doesn't that make y'all feel good? Praise the Lord. The Bible says he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering, kill it at the door of the tabernacle. Again, the offer is offering it and killing it here. And Aaron's son, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. Okay? Now, when they kill this animal and offer it to God, male or female, whatever, of the herd, then they would give the best of it to God. Are you here? Give the best to God. They'd offer it back to God. We'll look at it in a little bit. Now the Bible says, go down to verse 5. Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice. So again, look at this. Sacrifices that are being brought are put on top of the burnt sacrifice. Okay? Y'all remember me saying that earlier? Are y'all still with me? Help me, Jesus. It's praise. Now go to verse 11. Let's find out why it, this one is offered. Okay? Chapter 7, verse 11. Chapter 7 and verse 11. <clears throat> the peace offering is explained in more detail here in this chapter. Verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings which he shall offer unto the Lord. Okay? If he offer it for thanksgiving. So number one reason why you bring this offering and you kill that animal called the peace offering is because you're thankful to the Lord. How many of y'all are thankful to God? You know, God did something for you. You say, you know what? How many of y'all guys ever just moved on your heart and say, you know, God, you've been so good to me. I think I'm just going to do something a little extra special for you. Are you here? I mean, God didn't write it down and require that. You just said, hey, God, you're so good. I think I'll just do something extra special for you. Boom. That's a Thanksgiving offering. That's a praise offering. Somebody say amen. Oh. It goes beyond giving the least. It goes into giving the best. Are you here? God's going to just stir us up. He's already, let me tell you, when I finished this chapter, he's already started dealing with me. So y'all don't worry about it. I'm not just preaching to you. He's got my number too. Aren't you thankful for God, something that God has done? You have to show it to him. You have to show it to him, man. No wonder people aren't happy because they're not thankful. You can't be happy if you're not thankful. Impossible. I know people in the church, they've been in church for a long time. They're the saddest, most miserable people I've ever been around in my life because they're not happy because they're not thankful. And they never show God that they are. Okay. Verse 16, the Bible says also, but if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow, so now if you had a vow unto God, let me, have y'all ever had one of these? Will you say, okay, God, I promise you, God, that I'll do this if you'll do this for me. It's called a vow. And by the way, God requires your vow at your hand. You make a promise to God, stand there and say, God, I make a vow to do something for you. Let me tell you something. If you forgot about it, he didn't. He didn't. And that's a sin. You make a promise to God, if he'll do something for you and he doesn't and you don't do it, you're in big trouble, friend. That means that it's going to be hanging over your head for a long, long time until, you rem until it finally comes back to you. The Holy Ghost deals with you, and it comes back to you. And then you say, oh, I better do what I told God I was going to do. Because he didn't forget. I said, he didn't forget. 
And so if, if you know if God's done something for you, got you out of jail, and in that jail you said, God, if you get me out of this place, I'll do anything. I mean, I'll even preach. I'll evangelize. He, he heard you. He heard you. God, if you get me out of this mess, uh, I'll go to church every time the door is open. And next Sunday, they're not even in church. Come on. God, if you help me here, I'll do this, whatever it is. And so this person, God answers their prayer. He does it for them. And uh, now they're going to fulfill their veal. Their, their veal, yeah. Their veal. Their vow. But when they obey what they promised God and they do it, they always bring an offering to God. It's called a peace offering. And they say, thank you, Lord, for doing what you told me to do, and I keep my vow. Some of you right now, let me tell you something, are very unhappy. The reason why is because you made promises to God and you're not keeping them. You're not keeping them. I'll tell you what your problem is. I know what it is. Thank you, Jesus. See, I made a vow. And sometimes, you know what? Now, I, I'm very careful about making vows because of the seriousness of it. One time I made a, early in my Christian walk, I said, God, I promise you I make you a vow right now that I'm not going to come and listen to a rock and roll uh, band again. Are you here? Because I knew I had to get that extreme with God because I knew if I just said, well, I just won't come back, that I'd probably be back. You know how it is when you're new converts, when you get tempted by things that you used to do in the world? And I walk in there and I start feeling all under conviction, all bad, you know. I say, okay, God, I'm not coming back to this place. And I go, oh, find myself right back there. So I said, God, I make a vow right now that I will never do it again. And I've never been back in one of them. Because I knew when I crossed the line and made that kind of commitment that if I broke that commitment, trouble for this man. Are you here? Y'all look so happy this morning. Good to see so happy smiles amen <laughs> if you saw what I saw you'd be scared I mean people can really give you some scary looks <laughs> Bible says this okay so if you know like I say if you had a vow and you did it uh, God did it for you then you'd bring that offering to the Lord but again the Bible tells us also that you could bring it voluntarily but if a sacrifice of his offering be a vow or voluntary Offering it shall be beaten the same day that he offered his sacrifice, and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. This is the highest form of the peace offering that you could bring, simply because you love him. Not because he did anything for you this week. Not because you made a promise that he, if he'd do something for you, you'd do something for him. Mm -mm. You just say, God, I just love you so much. <laughs> I'm not looking at what you did for me. I just love you so much, God. I just feel like giving you an offering. Amen. That's the highest form of worship is when you do something for the Lord simply because you love him and not because he did anything for you. Just because, God, I just love you so much, I just got to show it somehow. I got to give a sacrifice somehow, some way to show you that I really, really do love you. And if you never bless me again, who cares? I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God.
And they take that offering in verse 30. The Bible says two pieces of it went to the priest. The breast and the shoulders. And the breast, of course, means the loving kindness of God. And the shoulders mean the power and the government of God. And this offer would bring this sacrifice and give those two pieces to the priest. But before they gave it to the priest, they lifted it up before God. And the priest placed his hand. Come here, brother. Placed his hands under the hands of the offer. Stand right here. Everybody look so you can see you. And he was standing there with his offering. And the priest's hands would come up underneath the hands of the offer. And they would lift it up before God, as I showed you this before. And they would wave it back and forth before God. Thank you. Sit down. This is a praise offering unto God. Thankful for what He did for you. You made a vow. He kept His part of the deal. You keep your part of the deal. So I'm going to praise Him. Hallelujah. I love Him, so I'm going to praise Him. And they had to lift it up before God and wave it back and forth. The breast. Why? The breast is the love and affection of God. And David said this. He said, Thy loving kindness, O Lord, is better than life. Thus will I lift my hands up before you. Let me tell you something. When you really get God in your, your life, you're going to understand that His loving kindness is better than life. And you come to His house and you lift up your hands. You wonder why you lift your hands up? It's not to surrender. It's saying, God, I worship you. Your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. From one end to the other. There is no end. No wonder David said, Your loving kindness, God, is better than life. Thus will I lift up my hands. Do you know right now I don't have an animal to bring to God? And there's not a priest here holding my hands up and lifting it up and doing this right now. Because the Bible says Jesus fulfilled all the sacrifices. But the Bible says in Hebrews, it tells you to come into His presence with thanksgiving. It tells you also in the Scripture to lift up the hands that hang down. Throw those hands up. We, we, we lift our hands and do this because we are doing what they did right here. And I don't care what dispensation you get inside of. Whether it be the church or the law dispensation, when you come into his presence, you always lift up his, your hands because his loving kindness is better to us than life. That's what I lift up my hands. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. It's a praise offering to God. Sometimes you got to offer a sacrifice of praise. You don't feel anything. You're just going to say, God, your loving kindness is better than life. Ah, that's what I lift up my hands. And I, I will bless the Lord. Come on, somebody. Thank God, God delivered us from religion. Thank God, God delivered us from denomination. Thank God, God gave us something that we can shout about. Thank God, God gave us something to worship about. Thank God, we can lift our hands. Thank God, we can dance. Thank God, we can sing. Thank God, we can shout. Even the rabbis recognized that in the dispensation called the church age, there would not be any animal sacrifice. But they said this, you would always come into the presence of God with uplifted hands. Now, and I don't want to get too technical with you, but when you do it, do it this way, not like this. 
Because when you do it like this, you're saying, give me, give me, give me. When you do it like this, you're saying to all, to God be the glory and everything he is worthy. I give it back to you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you worship. Now, if you need God to do something, say, do this. Say, God, help me. If you need something, do that. That's okay. But when you be praised to him, you do that. Man, we haven't lost our mind. We got it all together. And everything we do is right here in this book. It's right here in this Bible. We love him. We thank you for what he's done. And then the Bible says, they take the shoulder. And the Bible says the man offered, lifted up, heave it up. I mean, you know what? How many of y'all ever tried to lift up a big old heavy animal over your head? I mean, it doesn't have to weigh a whole lot. I try to lift my little girl up. I hold her up too long. I get tired. See, when you went to worship God in the, whole, in the, in the tabernacle, you were sweating. It was work. You had to weigh and you had to heave and you had to lift before God. And it caused you to break a sweat. And you didn't leave that place without wringing clothes. Now I know the priest, of course, had the linen clothes, but they were not supposed to sweat in the presence of God because they were relying on the rest of God. And that's what we're doing. Listen to me. When I sweat, I'm sweating in the rest of God. I'm rejoicing in what God has done for me. If I sweat, I'm not trying to work my way into anything. I'm saying, God, you've already done it for me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I therefore will come to you with a sweet savor offering. I will therefore come to you and offer you something because I'm your child. Sometimes they feel so heavy. You got to go, Wah! I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. It's not a feeling. It's a decision of your will. I will bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. They lift that shoulder up. They're saying, God, Jesus, you're fulfillment of all this, but God, you are the governor. <laughs> God, you have all power. How many of you know God is a God of power? How many of you know God is a strong God? How I many, what do you do when you lift? You got you put it on your shoulders, man. You can carry a load. That's a picture of power and strength. But Isaiah 9, the Bible said the government shall be upon his shoulder. So that when they lifted the shoulder up before God, they're saying, God, not only is your loving kindness from everlasting, he said, uh, your government, God, is on heaven and on earth. We recognize that you are the king of kings and lord of lords, not just in heaven, but in the earth beneath. Your dominion is an everlasting dominion. Your government is a government of power and strength. I'm glad I'm a part of his government. I'm glad I'm a part of his kingdom. Therefore, I will come and lift up my hands and say, God, you're the king. God, you're on the throne. God, you rule in heaven and earth. God, you're the one that's calling the shots. I lift up my praise before you.
and what makes the church of the living God powerful and strong and having his government in that place is that we recognize his rightful position to be the Lord and to be the king and to be worshiped and to be praised. He is the, the theocratic ruler of heaven and earth. So that all the sacrifices in the Old Testament was their approach to God. And when you get to the celebration of the feast, it was their walk with God. But the sacrifices and the feast worked very so closely together that you could not separate them. So that when I come to God, my sacrifice and my life and my presence and my praise and my burnt sacrifices, showing I love Him and I want to be committed to Him and all those things, that's part of my approach and my living for the Lord. Come on, somebody. You can't live without it because there's a right way to worship God. I said there's a right way to worship God. It's not the way you think He ought to be worshipped. It's the way the Bible says that we're to come into His presence. And again, the sweet savor offerings didn't have anything to do with your salvation. Come on, church. I get tired of hearing that kind of stuff. Well, am I going to be lost if I don't do this? Honey, listen to me. Get a hold of the truth. You do what you do because you're a child of God. And you want the world to see God in your life. And you want to reveal him to everybody that's around you. Come on. Hey, cool. I, I don't have my transparency here, but I got this. It's in my office. I wish I had it, but I, want, I think, you know, God had this here for a reason. Fell out of my Bible here. I draw y'all this little circle a while back. You remember this? Right here, God is the center and circumference of our worship. He's everything. Amen. He's the reason why we worship. Leviticus is this. Genesis says, Genesis is the book of beginnings. It says, begin with God. Exodus is the book of redemption. It says, get redeemed by God. And the book of, book of Leviticus says, worship God in the beauty of holiness. Are you here? So that right here, here God is right here. He's in the center of the camp. I came to him. I was redeemed by the blood. I'm his child. There's no, no question in my mind. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. That's a settled issue. I don't ever worry about it and doubt my salvation. It's done. But the free, free, the sweet smelling, oh, sweet savor offerings are saying, how close do you want to be to God? Do you want to live way out here on the circumference and he's way over here? I don't know about you, but I want to bring the sweet savor offerings. I don't want to live way out here away from him and away from my fellow child of God. I want to live way real close to him. Preacher, do I have to do this? No, you don't have to do it. But it depends on how close you want to get to God's presence. Uh, it determines how much power you want in your life. Uh, it, uh, what kind of relationship do you want with God? Do I have to bring a burnt sacrifice? No. Do I have to bring a present? No. It's commanded in the Word of God, but God's not going to make you. 
Do you have to praise him? You know to have to praise him. You get to praise him. Preacher, do I have to give? Oh, come on. Get rid of that, man. It's a privilege to give. You get to give. I get to give. I don't have to. Preacher, do I have to live like that? No, you don't have to live like that. Go out there and live like the devil if you want to. But I want to get close to God. He's the center and circumference of my worship. The ladies, ladies say, well, do I have to let my hair go long? No, you don't have to. Cut it off. Look like a man. But how close do you want to get to God? The men that come to me, hey, bro, do I have to cut my hair off? Well, listen to me. How close do you want to get to God? The ladies, brother, do I have to quit wearing my shorts, quit wearing my pants? How close do you want to get to God? Men, brother, do I have to quit wearing my tank tops, you know, to be saved? How close do you want to get to God? Somebody ain't saying me. You want to live out here? You want to live out here on the edge? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied to live out on the edge. No way. I want to get right in there, man. I want to walk where he walks. I want to talk the way he talks. I want to listen and I want to hear what the Lord will speak unto me. I want a relationship with God. And it's going to be hard to bring your sacrifices and kill them sometimes. But sometimes you're going to have to kill the bull. You're going to have to kill it. So I say amen. You can sit down. And when they took those sacrifices, and I'm about through. But when they took those sacrifices, you know what they had to do? They had to tie them down to the altar with cords, right? And the Word of God talks about in the psalm, cords of love that bound those sacrifices to the altar. There's some things in you and my life that you go and you're going to bring them to God. Here they are, Lord. And you put them on the altar, but you got to tie them on the altar with your love and devotion to God because if you don't tie them down, they're going to hop off the altar and they're going to come walking back in your life. So that person had to, when he carried that sacrifice, he's got to be committed. Because all the way to the tabernacle, he could turn back. I don't think anybody saw me. Man, I think I was a little crazy there. I was fixed to offer my, my prime rib. But what kept him going was his love and devotion to God. It's not a matter of people see me. Come on, somebody. Your love and commitment to God has got to keep you walking that road to sacrifice. You want to get off the road of sacrifice unless you really got a heartfelt love and commitment to God. Come on. There'll be somewhere around the road you can turn back. You say, nope. Come on, prime rib. <laughs> You're God's. You're God's. The best goes to God. <laughs> but, you know, some people just enjoy being miserable. And they just enjoy being on the outrage. But if you ever get a, uh, get a revelation of what I'm preaching you right now, you'll never be the same again. 
when you get a revelation of what God has done for you, you're going to say, hey, God, if I do this or I don't do this, it's going to get me closer to you. That's what I'm after. And it's not going to be, well, you know, I mean, can I have my hair one inch below my collar, preacher? Or does it have to be above the collar? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be shave my head, hon. If you need to shave my head that I can have a relationship with God, shave my head. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm not, he, he probably thinks I'm preaching right at him, but I'm not. Some of you ladies think I'm preaching right at you, but I, I'm just preaching to all of us. You love me? I love you, man. I just tell you, tell you how to get close to God, man. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I mean, you, you see this guy when he first started coming to church? He's sad. <clears throat> I mean, I got pictures of him in there. He's sad. <laughs> I never would tell him that, though, you know. How does that God deal with him? But look at him. Don't he look pretty? <clears throat> Why'd you do it, brother? You love God, right? God convicted him. God, he wanted him to move in the Spirit. Amen. Somebody say amen. Y'all see what I'm trying to get across to you? Sacrifices for fellowship and sacrifices in fellowship. That's the way it is in God. That's the kingdom of God. It's the way He operates. It's the way He works. And if you want joy and you want peace and you want victory in your life, Be a sacrificer. Are you here? But before you do anything, before you try to clean your life up, try to get it sweet naturally, forget that. Go to the foot of the cross. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I put it under the blood. I recognize that you're the one that shed your blood for me. I don't deserve salvation. But I know you took my place and you went through all that cruel beating, suffering, and pain that I might be saved. It's a free gift. Somebody say it's a gift. Because he loves you. Go out and get baptized in the name that's above every name. Have all of those sins washed away. And then ask him, say, Lord, right now, I'll open up my heart and I invite your spirit to come inside of you. Let him fill you with his spirit. Get baptized in the name of your sacrifice, Jesus. Have all your sins washed away, have the blood applied, and get filled with the Spirit. You can't lose. <clears throat> You're not good enough to get it. You can't buy it. It's too expensive. Are you here? Cost the blood of Jesus. You can't earn it. You're not good enough. You can't buy salvation.